Hey, Sona, do you settle for ordinary in your own home? No. Well, you kind of do. Anyway, with oh. floor and decor, <laughs> you don't have to put up with rooms that just look meh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Meh is kind of a meh. phrase these days. Floor and decor doesn't just have a couple of aisles of options. It's an entire store with the largest selection of tile, wood, and stone in stock and available in job lot quantities. Mm. That's what I need, job lot quantities. And if you're a pro like me, Floor and Decor also has a job site delivery, along with all the brands pros trust for installation. There's also design experts in the store to help you find the right look at the right price. And guess what? It's free. That's my favorite price. Free is the best price, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Unless it's for food. And then I'm like, oh, I'm about to pay a little. No, I like free food, too. Well, it can be scary. Anyway, uh, we got off track. You can resist the ordinary and find more ways to wow with Floor and Decor. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hi, my name is Sebastian Maniscalco. And I feel honored about being Conan O'Brien. That's very sweet. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend and uh, some exciting stuff to talk about today. Uh, joined, as always, by Sonam Obsession. Hello. And the sturdy and reliable Matt Gorley. Sturdy. Oh. Yeah, he is. Okay. You are. You yeah. are a tugboat beating against the tide. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. He is. Okay. Yeah. You are very reliable What's and uh, you're a good sturdy. fellow, fine fellow. You're more fragile. You're more fragile. No, he's fragile, oh. but, but, uh, uh, but reliable. Where do you get... Anyway, yeah. he's made of it's all okay. cartilage. It's okay. Uh, no actual bones. You fight both of you. I have something exciting to talk about. Enough of this dithering and dathering, which is um, we announced uh, just a couple days ago that uh, I have been making this show for HBO Max, which I believe is now called Max. We'll see what it's called in another few weeks. Uh, it's called Conan O'Brien Must Go. And it's this idea that's been in the works for quite a while, which you guys are well acquainted with, mm -hmm. where, as you know, I do the... Uh, I do the interviews uh, with celebrities and those drop on Monday. But then later in the week, uh, we drop a interview with just anybody out in the world. Fans. We, fans. Just fans. Not who, anybody. Like they can't, they have to know who you are. Yeah. yeah that's only 98% of the world's population. Okay. Boo. Uh, boo, Conan, boo. No, you're right. It's fans. I should be more specific. Fans of the, uh, of the podcast. And I've really loved those conversations. And that's where the idea came from, which is just, I love talking to people so much. What if, um, 
And I also used to do travel shows uh, that I, that was one of my favorite things that I got to do all those years at uh, TBS. So the thought originated, what if some of these guests that actually end their interviews where they say, well, come visit sometime, Conan. Yeah. And the idea came, what if I just show up? And so that was the origin for the concept of this uh, show, Conan O'Brien Must Go. So we uh, announced it and they put together a little sizzle reel of some of the episodes that were already in the can. And uh, people seem excited about it. You guys, did you, you saw the sizzle reel, right? It pains me to praise you, mm -hmm. but I just know a lot of other people worked on this. <laughs> uh, it's, it looks so good. It oh, really looks it good. Really also, there's fun. a brief glimpse of you and me in there, and that yeah. really ups the. Uh, I think that really adds to the show. Yeah, yeah it's that... weird because the data uh, says the opposite. Um, oh yeah, you look hmm. at the data. Yeah, I look at the. <laughs> yeah, you really look You've at that. You've never seen info. data in your life. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'm a big data guy, and I really got in there, and uh, I like micro data and mega data, and uh -huh. I got in there, and uh, massive drop offs. No, it was uh, yeah, it's nice because you see us talking to them, and then suddenly I'm there yeah. uh, in their face. And um, and you surprise them. Yeah. Well, it, and it's funny because you try to, and some are easy to, easier to surprise than others, but uh, it was, we, we put together this kind of quick, maybe two-minute uh, piece that, uh, that ran and um, then tweeted it out. And the response was really nice. People seem excited about the show. Um, the show is, uh, and this is important to, to point out, the show uh, cannot be completed right now because uh, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, is uh, on strike. So we stopped everything, and I'm really looking forward to finishing the show. Yeah. But uh, we're not going to do anything until everything gets resolved and uh, the writers get taken care of. So we are on hold for the moment. You traveling is such a, it's, you're so good at traveling. I mean, you're good at a lot. You're good at a lot of things, but you're really when you travel. You have, you have many strokes when you say anything nice about me. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're really funny. <laughs> yeah. How painful it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have a neurologist soon. Say, Sona, have you been complimenting Conan recently? Because there's a lot of dried blood near your cerebellum. <laughs> no, but when you travel internationally. They're some of my favorite things that you've ever done. Well, and this is throughout the course of your whole I, career. I yeah. like it a lot. I really enjoy it. Uh, and um, we have gone to some great locations. We have some other great locations planned. So uh, I just find it so kind of reinvigorating to get outside the United States and meet people and, and, and run into all these people who have, who have no idea who I am. Yeah. And find out what they're up to, what they're doing. It's just- uh, And you I, stick out. I stick out everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, think, I think I could go to Ireland and stick out. It's just so <laughs> weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just odd looking in so many ways, but uh, it's, yeah, very quickly uh, identifiable. But so yeah, Conan O'Brien must go uh, on Max will be coming up, but not until uh, the the writer strike uh, gets resolved. Um, can you talk about where you've been to already, or is that you want you don't want to? I think so. You can see in the sizzle yeah. reel that okay. the, the two places we went was to uh, Norway to visit uh, fans there, mm -hmm. and that went really well. And then uh, visited some fans uh, in Thailand in <sighs> Bangkok, and that was fantastic. Anyway. Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, making the episodes we've made already. And if you want to see the uh, 
the promo, which is fun, lasts about two minutes. You can find it easily uh, on YouTube. On your channel. On your channel. Your yeah. channel. Team Coco. Team Coco. Team Coco. Uh, and it's called Conan O'Brien Must Go. And um, another thing I should bring up is that if you are a fan of this program and you want to talk to myself, Matt, and Sona, that's always possible. We do it all the time. And you never know, I might end up visiting you. So uh, you can go to teamcoco.com slash call Conan uh, if you would like to reach out to us and have a chat. Again, that's teamcoco.com slash call Conan. And you can experience how irritating it is to speak to me in real time. You have no idea. You have mm -hmm. no idea. All right, mm -hmm. we should get into it. My guest today is a hilarious comedian who has sold out arenas across the country. Now he has a new movie, which he co-wrote and stars in called About My Father. And guess who plays his father in this movie? Robert L. De Niro. Exactly. Mm. Is it really L? I don't know. Oh, you just, okay. That was... <laughs> Maybe it's not make it. <laughs> That's like an attorney. Robert L. De Niro. <laughs> I'm excited he's here today. Sebastian Maniscalco. Welcome. Listen, I know we've we've met. Uh, You've done the show many times. On a, yeah, but we haven't really had a relationship outside the show. It's not like I'm calling you, going, "What are you doing Friday night? We're having some wine. You want to come by?" I just don't know. I'd why. love it if you had done that, but you didn't do it for me either. You know, it, <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Sebastian, there are rules. You know, I was the host of the show, and so no matter you've become huge, you're massive. You're as, as big a, a comedy star as I can imagine, but still, you know, because I was the host of those shows, I had to have a wall up. Okay. You understand. I do understand, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but my question is, being a host of a show like that, mm -hmm. right, and you got a lot of people coming through the door day in, day out, have you made friendships over the years with a lot of your guests? Yes, I have. Okay. And, I, have, and I have with a, a, a pretty, actually a pretty good number. You just click with people. And one of the things that it takes is just bumping into them someplace else. That's usually what has to happen is you bump into them someplace else. So I'm sure if I had bumped into you and we were hanging out, uh, you would have thought, this is the greatest fucking guy I ever met in my life. <laughs> and then you would have signaled to the waiter, you know, more wine over here. And I'd have said, let me get it, Sebastian. This is on me. And you'd have been like, I love this guy. And then the next thing I'd be at your house. Yeah. Just... That would have happened, but we never bumped into each other. Because okay. you were very careful not to bump into me. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't go out much uh, <laughs> when I was around. No, you were always out on the town. And the minute you read Conan O'Brien's in town, you would lay low. <laughs> yeah, you would lay low until I passed through. No, I'm very happy for you. You know, you you're very funny comic. You are an amazingly successful comedian, and you've done really well as an actor. And I was trying to think, what is it that Sebastian does that always made me laugh whenever you would come on the show? I realized today it was your amazement. You do amazement better than most comedians I know. You're totally amazed by how screwed up or fucked up something is. Yeah. And that is a big part of your personality. You stretch it out. Your physicality is really great. Your personality like inflates when you're saying, what's going on with this? Yeah. I don't understand. And there are a lot of comedians that do what's going on with blank, your amazement is, you're the Olivier of amazement, I think. <laughs> you really are. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm constantly shocked and amazed at 
you know, whether it be human behavior or situations or what have you, I just have a, a, an exaggerated uh, way of looking at things. It's yeah. been the way I've kind of looked at life since I was a kid. So it's not like it's something that I'm putting on for, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm it's comedy, so you have to exaggerate a little bit, but the, the, the seed of it is coming from complete awe and shock yes. of, uh, yeah. of what I'm seeing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that tends to be kind of the uh, the core of uh, of of the comedy. But you know what's great is you tie it in with your with your history as an Italian American. You know your your dad. I know, and we'll get to this because it's a this is a huge part of your movie. Um, and I cannot believe you got Robert De Niro to play your dad. Yeah, we'll get, I mean, this is this is most. There are people out there that say I want to make a movie about my life. <laughs> I'll, I'll find someone to play my dad. And uh, I don't even want to know who I would be able to get. My wheels are turning. I know your wheels are turning. It would not be Robert De Niro. Orville Redenbach. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we all do that. We exaggerate. We take who we are, really, and then we turn up the knob yeah. to like 15 uh, for, for the comedic sake. But the core of it is pure. And what you do is it it feels... It's a very Italian yeah. attitude about what the fuck is this all about. Yeah, it's in the culture. So the the upbringing and and my father is a huge part of my comedy, just because you know he came from Sicily. He's uh, when he was fifteen years old, and he brought a lot of those old world values to America with him. And then in the upbringing, those kind of values were passed on to me. And. Uh, yeah, it's just, I noticed Italian people, I just did a, um, a TV show and mm -hmm. the other actress on the TV show was Italian. And when Italians get together, it's almost like um, other people are looking at us and it's like we speak like dolphins. They don't even know the... <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know the communication. Like, yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, I, I thought there was going to be a fight that was going to break out at any minute when you guys were talking. But it was, you know, we kind of <laughs> just know there's a familiar way to how we communicate with one another. And then when we start speaking outside of the of the culture, a lot of people tend to see it and go, oh, wow, this is a different kind of take on life. And and the take comes from pretty much my dad. Yeah, who's a huge personality and uh, has a lot to say. And um, I don't know. I just took what basically what we were talking about at the kitchen table as yes, a kid yeah. and then uh, made a living out of it. I have said uh, for many years that it all starts at the kitchen table. I think you've said that there's, a, there's almost a negativity with an Italian point of view that's yeah. built in. Constantly, is that true? Constantly negative. Everything is always um, bad. Nothing is ever good. We can't talk about it being good because if you talk about being good, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> so that's uh, <laughs> it's just so sad. It's just, it's just the, the way it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like I now have trouble enjoying the fruits of my labor. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I don't know if you guys have this problem, but like I'm at a point in my life where I should really be extremely happy about what's happening to me. Yeah. Yet there is a, you know, part of me that is always kind of looking for the next thing. And am I doing enough? You know, like, am I, it's it just, it, it, I got a podcast. Is it good enough? I'm doing a TV show. Is it good enough? So it, it, I, I can't sit there and relax. Right. 
and I don't know if that's just me or is that people who get to a certain level in their career and feel like they got to maintain that level or, and you can't relax until I'm reading this book called die with zero, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm having an issue with, uh, spending money and uh, the issue being you're spending too much. You're not spending it. I don't know what to spend. Like I, I <laughs> like I didn't, I grew up working middle class, right? And it was the uh, money was a huge topic in our house and it was always save, save your money. Cause you don't know if your tongue is going to fall out <laughs> and you can't do this anymore. Right. Which does happen. <laughs> we, uh, I wouldn't worry about that one particular thing. <laughs> Give yourself a break on yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> During COVID, you weren't worried at all about COVID. You were worried. <laughs> Don't worry, you're clear on COVID. My tongue! The tongue could go at any time. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, COVID yeah. was a great example. It's like you save for a rainy day, right? And the rainy day came, and I was still going, you know, like I didn't even use the savings. Right. I was just trying to figure out how I could make money and 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 live off whatever, d doing uh, corporate Zooms, you know? That's what I was doing. <laughs> I wasn't doing like stand up in my living room, but it would be like a, uh, a a moderator asking me questions, and I would be making the company laugh on Zooms. I did like thirty eight of these things. Oh okay, my God. Over let me just COVID. Put, let me just put this in context for our listeners who don't know, and many people are aware of your massive success. You sold out four shows at Madison Square Garden. That's insane. That's an insane achievement. That's you and a microphone sold out Madison Square Garden, four of them. How okay. many of those people were on Zoom, though? <laughs> yeah, no, half. To be fair, okay. they put a lot of TV, TV screens. TV screens. Look at me. Hi, everybody. I'm 60. I don't know if you've met me. Oh, I think that works. I think that works. When I Zoom, it's a TV. <laughs> I, was, I was picturing televisions with rabbit ears. And a Zoom coming Sitting over. in the seats? The televisions are in the Let's seats? Let's just let it go. Okay. But my point is, Sebastian, I just wanted to put it in context for people that you've had this insane... This isn't... There are plenty of people in the business that book a sitcom, but they're being careful with their money or this or that. You've had an unprecedented level of success that uh, I can promise you right now is not going anywhere. You have talent and ability and it's not going anywhere and you have a devout following. But it's fascinating to me that when it stops for a little bit, you're thinking, oh my God, how am I gonna make the rent? Yeah. And to me, that is, that is, this is a very common situation. And I do think that it may not be a coincidence that your dad immigrated here uh, because, I mean, famously, Bob Hope, you know, biggest comedian maybe of the 20th century, he came from, he emigrated from Wales as a kid and was incredibly poor growing up and tried to make it as a boxer and his family were like stonemasons. I mean, he had nothing and he scrounged and scrounged and scrounged and finally made it and then bought up all the orange groves in California when he started making money. And be, by the time he's in his 90s, he's, I think, the richest entertainer in the United States of America. He's just an incredibly wealthy man. And I know for a fact that he would go into the Valley with coupons for Carl's Jr. And to me, it's that shit doesn't go away. And although you didn't 
experience that maybe firsthand, you inherit it from your dad mm -hmm. and it's very powerful. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it makes, it makes, makes sense, sense that you're that way. Yeah. But my, my whole challenge now is I got like one, one foot living in that world and I got a one foot living in the world I'm in right now. And I'm trying to like, just be a little bit more relaxed when it comes to, you know, enjoying my success. I guess that's, that's the struggle I'm having at this current point. Right. In my life. It's a good problem. Yeah. It's a good problem. But I know what you mean. And I recommend medication. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it. And all kinds. Don't even just get it from other people. I'm not, don't even see a psychopharmacologist. I think just get it, random pills from other people and oh, try them out. Okay. Terrible advice. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you should do it immediately. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Play. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. 
undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Come on, if most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B, oh, you know? Oh, what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. What do you think drives you now? Because you have had so much success for a long time, but I can tell you take this very seriously and you are very driven. Is that your dad's work ethic? Yeah, that, that was instilled in me at a young age, just like work. You got to work. You got to go out. I mean, I was working at Fuddruckers when I was 14 years old. That was one of my first jobs and never really stopped working since since I was 14. So, yeah, that definitely comes from my father. And, uh, you know, I don't know. For me, I felt like it was extremely fun coming up through the clubs and getting my first spot on your show and, and 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 doing these things for the first time no one really knowing who i was it was exciting now it's a little the, the pressure is a little little bit higher to you know kind of maintain the standard you know right keep the jokes as good as they were you know that's the whole thing it's like you know, I did a I did a comedy special that came out on Netflix this year, and I got kind of like people like, yeah, it's not as good as your da da da, or it's not as good as this, or not as good as that. So that never really happened to me before. Mm -hmm. And not that I'm sitting there looking at you know what people are saying, but if you, you got to be a fool not to like put your ear to the ground and go, is this hitting with people? I mean, are people right. kind of getting this? And I'm trying something different. You know, I. I normally am a physical comedian, so this one I went like, let me throw it back to the Rat Pack and wear a tuxedo. I don't wear a tuxedo because it kind of hinders hinders my movement. I'm not as comfortable, but I'm like, yeah, let me do something different, you know. Right. And um, you know, I got some some backlash of, oh, he's not as physical as he once was. I'm fifty. 
<laughs> no, sy- right. no sympathy in this room. <laughs> <laughs> we all fought in the Korean War. Everyone in this room. I died in the Korean War. Yeah, yeah. And as a ghost, you're old. Um, he's an old, out of shape ghost. <laughs> a ghost with a low back problem. That's the other thing, too, is uh, to me, the biggest driving thing is if someone's disappointed with something I've done, it makes me physically ill. It's it's that fear of failure which uh, doesn't diminish. You'd yeah. think it would diminish, and it doesn't. And if I'm someplace and it's a small group and I'm supposed to go up and give a toast or something, I get anxious. And if I feel like the toast wasn't good enough, and people are like, "What are you talking about? A toast? You know, it's you know, what are you worried about that for?" I don't think that goes away. No, that's with you. I could relate to that. My my kid just had a, a birthday party, and I got on the microphone to kind of like because we were going to play these games, these old school games at my kid's mm-hmm. birthday party. So mm-hmm. I got on the microphone, hey, everybody, we're going to do this. And I got off, and I go, <laughs> 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> I, just, I just felt like I, I let him down, you know? Yeah. Professional, <laughs> professional comedian. And all you're as good as last year's your, kid's birthday yeah. party. All you're doing is saying, the pin the tail on the donkey's over here on the right. And the dunking board is over there, and the and the bouncy castle. You know that's all you're there to do. Ah, no, I just started with the bouncy. <laughs> then you elevate to the donkey. Shit. I, absolutely, and you know now that we're talking about this, this this really this happened last week. Uh, my daughter's birthday, and my wife and I went in to I guess uh, the, the parents read to the class on on the, the the day of the birthday of the kid. So we walk in and. We had our daughter's favorite book, and the plan was my wife was going to read half of it, and I was going to read half of it. So my wife starts to read the book, and she's burning through the book. I just like, <laughs> and I'm looking at this as a, you know, as kids, you know, yeah. and, I, and I go, get, give, me, give me the book. <laughs> and I've never read to kids before. It's a group of six-year-olds. I've yeah, never read yeah. to them before. I started getting into the book, and then I'm starting like incorporating the kids yeah, yeah, and yeah. doing my own lines from the book. We right. hate Veronica, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, That's... I told the teacher, I go, I'd, I'd love to read to the kids every Friday if I yeah, could. Yeah. Can I be a TA? Yeah. But... Uh, I just think it's innate. It's in us to, if we get a group of people, I think it's innate uh, yeah. for us to like well, not disappoint. It's so funny you bring that up. We're going to have to hang out and get wine. I'm sorry because there's too much to, there's too much common ground here. But uh, when my daughter was younger, I it was read to the kids day and I went over and this was to the, over to the school. You remember this? And I went over there and I had a story to read. And the story, I remember looking at it, it's only like nine pages long because the kids are little. And I was like, ah, there's not much to work with here. <laughs> I remember thinking that, like flipping through it, like all I've got is nine pages. So what is, I go to sit down and they go, okay, now, you know, Nev's dad, Mr. O'Brien. And, and I sit down and I notice that there's this like stuffed dragon right behind me whose face is kind of looking at me. So I kept doing these physical takes before I even read the book. I was like, well, kids, nice to see you. And And the kids started laughing really hard. So I kept doing all this shtick with the dragon and it was, and it was doing really well. And the teacher, (laughs) the teacher came up, the teacher came up. I'll never forget. And she put her hand on my shoulder and said, 
you just read the book. <laughs> you just read the book. Oh my God. And I was looking at her like, you kidding? This is chilling. You don't step on that. You know, but I know exactly what you're talking about, which is that need, you know, it's something, this is something else I want to talk about because there's so many things. There's something I really appreciate about you is that you have your performing persona. And I've noticed whenever I'd come in and talk to you in the dressing room beforehand or afterwards, or even when I talked to you here today at the podcast, you are a very quiet, thoughtful man. Yeah. And I'm curious if you encounter, you're so well known out in the world when you're yourself, you're with your family, you're with the kids, there, are there people that want that other Sebastian? Do you know what I mean? And you are a very dignified, intelligent, quiet guy who is not performing at this moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. Uh, p- people do think that's uh, who I am on an everyday basis, you know, kind of not loud, but like overexpressive and whatnot. Mm-hmm, when I mm-hmm. get together with you, we're just kind of talking. It's normal and, and what have you. So yeah, listen, I, I, I'm not, I'm not life at a party by any means. All right. And yeah. I think that's the, the misconception with some comedians where you think, Oh, invite the comedians going to make the room laugh. You know, if you invite me over to to your house and there's other people there that I don't know, I tend to be, you know, I don't call it shy. It just tend, I, I tend to, it, it takes me a while yeah. to warm up to yeah. the group. Yeah. Even when I, when I do these things, right, these right. these podcasts, which I don't, I don't do a lot of them just because, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like, uh, is, is this going to be an environment where I'm going to be comfortable to yeah. kind of be myself and like express my feelings? And then yeah. obviously with, uh, you six, I, I fit right in here. Uh, <laughs> but, but we like to think it's a welcoming environment. <laughs> no, but like sometimes you go in, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't know. What do we, you know. Well, also I've noticed that a lot of people think comedy is a thing. Like you hire a plumber, they come over. Oh, I see what the problem is and they fix it. I remember early on where people, you know, you know, the corporate event, you know, corporate mm-hmm. events, generally speaking, are notorious for this. We're like, yeah, no, we're going to have a comedian. And then you get there and then it's just a dance floor. And then the people, you know, it's yes. like you got to have the people near me. You know, you can't be, you know, 40 feet away. Right, you're not Mussolini, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need you need people. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. So then you'd have to do a quick adjustment and go. All right, I'm going to perform now on the dance floor. Now I'm going to have to go. You know, and so you got to make it right. And it, it works in life too. I think you know. Sometimes I think you're in a situation where it's a social setting, and you know maybe the expectation is you know for uh, you to be funny, but mm-hmm. you even look at the environment and go, this this ain't this ain't the environment for right. for me to like excel here. So then I then I go like I'm like a shut in. I don't say nothing. And then my wife's like, why aren't you talking? I go, it's just, it's just not right. You know, like it, yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel uncomfortable sometimes around like, um, went to a birthday party yesterday, kid's birthday party. Right. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I just felt like I'm just going to hang out with my kids here. Cause I just didn't feel like any like pockets or any situations where I could get involved and really kind of start to get something cooking. Yeah. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was, I was at an event that I was supposed to, that I emceed. It was a really good cause. It was to raise money for 
wounded uh, military vets. And so it's a great cause and I was really glad to do it. And it's this big event. I'll never forget I'm backstage and I'm gonna go out and I, I know what I'm gonna do. Just before I went out, they came out and they played taps. Oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know, and they played, they played taps and the whole room gets really solemn. And then a voice of God just went, ladies and gentlemen, Conan O'Brien. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like, this is the... <laughs> This is like a dare, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How do I get from where we are now, which is very sacred and solemn and appropriate, but why did you why did you want a comedian to come on after that? Yeah, it's difficult to come out to uh to that environment. I did something similar like to a yes, nine, I was at a nine eleven gig and, and they show a video at nine eleven and the people mm -hmm. and this and that and then they're please welcome Sebastian and I come out and I'm like, Okay, uh you know, let's get into what we my, do dad. <laughs> my dad. My <laughs> dad. Or also, you're doing com you're doing comedy about how you've had a hard day. Oh boy, the day I've had. Oh really? Did two towers collapse? And thousands and thousands of people. Hold on, hold on. I know, I know, but let me talk about my day. I mean, it's just impossible. Yeah, it's yeah. like a Harry Houdini thing where it's like we're gonna take Sebastian Mascoco and wrap chains around him and put him in a bank vault and throw him in the Hudson River, and then let's see if he can get out. Yeah. Um, I know that, like me, you probably grew up very Roman Catholic. Yeah. Did you do the whole nine yards? Were you uh, uh, choir boy? You know, altar boy. Altar boy. Did the funerals. Did you do the funerals? No, I was the, because they could tell that I could actually enunciate pretty well. They made me the, what's called the lectern, which is the, the, the guy who reads, you know, certain passages. We didn't have that. Yeah. Well, they would, you know, it's usually like the priest does it, but they would have someone step in and read a couple of passages. And they were oh. like, this guy can enunciate and he, he knows enunciate. how to, yeah, literally. They were like, this kid enunciates. <laughs> and, in, and in Boston, nobody enunciates. <laughs> you know, everyone else just sounded like they had a bunch of clamshells in their mouth. And then I, in the corner, I was saying, and on the third day, he rose. <laughs> in fulfillment of the scripture, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He'll come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. <laughs> And they're like, we got to use this guy, you know? So they had me doing that, but I envied the, you know, like you get to ring the bells. I didn't get to yeah. ring the bells. That was a bell guy. That was a bell. <laughs> you sound like. I'm you're, a bell. Well, I'm a bell bragging. guy. Yeah. You're bragging. Yeah. It's like, I'm getting guys for a bank job. Do we have a bell guy? <laughs> I'm a bell guy. I held the water. You ever held the water for the. For, no. 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 Where they that. fling the water at yeah. people. So I had the little bucket and thing. Yeah, the I did the I did the whole thing over at Saint Cecilia Parish uh -huh. in uh, 1985. So yeah, wow, you guys are so cool. <laughs> yeah, aren't we? You were at Saint Cecilia's in '85, huh? I was at Saint Ignatius, Saint Lawrence. I worked a couple of churches. This is the '70s. I'm an older guy than you, but. The 70s was really the time to be in a Catholic church. Yeah. I'll tell you something. All of our priests, you know, were pretty much, they were either Italian or Irish, but we had one guy whose his thing was to, he had always had change in his pocket. And as he was, and he was real like a club comic and he would jingle the change in his pocket and walk around and, you know, and, and give the homily. And it was always in like a very folksy, 
and kind of working jokes in and stuff. And then he'd always end the and end the uh, mass by saying, uh, "They're supposed to just say, you know, uh, so go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You know, that's what they're supposed to do at the end of the mass. And be like, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a nice day. Have a nice week." See you around. <laughs> what? like, what's Jesus think about this ending? <laughs> Different. Did you do confession? Did you go to confession? Did confession. I always froze in confession. I didn't know what to say. I would make shit up. Oh, I, really? Yeah, I would say I murdered a man. And so, I mean, I would say anything, <laughs> but I never, I don't, I didn't confess anything real. Uh, I mean, there's nothing going on back then where like, I didn't walk in when I was 13 and say, oh, yeah. Committed adultery. I mean, there's none of that. It was. <laughs> it was. Uh, I coveted my neighbor's <laughs> wife. You got to see this broad. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did. I did all that. I did. I uh, did the confession. I went every Sunday. Um, you know, did the um, gave the money. Chris, mm-hmm. my my uh, being Italian, you just give the money. And we never put it in the like, the envelope that you're supposed to put it in. They give you like an envelope you put it in, you know, and then you put your name. So you yep. gave, you just peel it off, just a just a crisp twenty right into the. Uh... Nice. That made me think of like some wise ass <laughs> kid. The, it was Christmas time, and they had this beautiful crash. You know the the little man the manger, and there was a you know everyone's gathered around Mary and. Um, you know, everyone's there. They're all, they're the shepherds, the wise men, the sheep, the donkey, and they're all looking over in great reverence. And someone, some wise ass had taken the baby Jesus out and put a $20 bill down. (laughs) So it it looked, so it looked like, oh, they're all, it's the almighty dollar. (laughs) And I remember really (laughs) thinking that was funny. (sighs) And my mom swatting me (laughs) saying, no, that's not funny. But, uh. I don't think they ever found that Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. Well, let me ask you about this because you've done something that is pretty extraordinary. You've made a movie that's about you and your father mm-hmm. and it's called About My Father. And as I mentioned earlier, so much to talk about here, but you did an extraordinary thing. You cast, and when I say cast, it make it sound like De Niro was hoping he got the part. He gave me the audition. <laughs> try it again, Bob. Bob, try it again. Bob, it's between you and two other guys, but I think you did a pretty good job. What does your father think about Robert De Niro playing him? Yeah, so we wrote the movie. My writing partner, Austin Earl, and I wrote the movie. We kind of um, have the same pattern of, of, of life in, in, in the sense that we both married into money mm-hmm. and we've always kind of wrote about this life of two guys who kind of married uh, a better cut of cloth mm-hmm. in our wives. Mm-hmm. So uh, the movie kind of centers around my father and I going to a country club environment, which I do every summer. My wife, uh, family has a, a home in North Carolina that we go to. Country club, very white. You know, yep. when I show up, I look like I, I cut the lawn. I'm like, I'm, I'm dark. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, you sometimes know. you do cut the lawn <laughs> just because you're like, I think I could do that better than that guy. So it's just kind of these two worlds kind of colliding. The movie centers around that. But, uh, my, De Niro, uh, listen, I, we never set out to, to get him we didn't write the movie with him in mind you just don't even think that's a possibility right right? and then once 
I worked with him in The Irishman, and then mm -hmm. he subsequently came to see me do comedy at Radio City Music Hall. He came backstage. We talked a little bit. And I'm sure you've met the man. He's, he's, he's not like highly engaging as far as conversation. He's right. you know kind of quiet to himself. So it's not like, you know, I, we had wine together. I don't have wine with nobody. Um, <laughs> so it's not like we had like a social relationship, but um, we sent him the script and he really gravitated towards it and he wanted to read it out loud with a bunch of actors. So we sat down, we did a table read. And then after that, he made the decision that he wanted to do it. Now, De Niro being the guy, the actor that he is, wanted to hang out with my dad. Wow. Right? Now. That's crazy. Yeah. Because he's, he's method. He wants to, he, you know, this is about your dad. Mm -hmm. He wants to spend time with your dad and absorb yeah. this uh, man's characteristics. Yeah. So they get on the phone uh, and he wants him to come to Oklahoma where De Niro is shooting the movie with Scorsese and DiCaprio. And my dad, who's a hairstylist, is going to go. Uh, first, he's bitching that he's got to take off work. <laughs> huh? for, for this bullshit. Yeah. You believe this? I, 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 got, a, I got a dye job and a blowout <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> he has priorities. <laughs> So uh, he goes to Oklahoma, and uh, he goes to De Niro's home uh, there that he's rented for the, mm -hmm. the movie. And De Niro's asking him, you know, when you when you wear your hat, how, how you wear your hat? And then my father's like, oh, I wear it like this. And then when you smoke a cigar, how do, you, how do you smoke it? Then he wanted to know some Italian, Sicilian slang that De Niro wanted to put in there. And, you know, and I'm I'm dying to hear how this is going i mean you have to understand this is a guy that had posters on my wall growing up de niro you know, of course you know, yeah casino goodfellas my dad and i watched this guy and now now he's playing my father so for me i'm trying to wrap my head around it so afterwards i said you gotta call me as soon as you get out of there all right so he calls me i go how was it you know yeah how was it that kept me there four hours <laughs> My, my dad's bitching about the hours. Wow. Then he's asking me, you know, am I, am I getting paid for this? Am I getting like a little something for this? I go, Dad, I don't. That's so perfect. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, listen, he was, he was, I mean, he was beside himself. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there's also that, you know, way we grew up of, you sure. know, I'm going to lose clients and I'm here and this and that and the other thing. Then he's on set. De Niro wanted him on set because there's yeah. a there's a scene in the movie where we're in a hair salon and De Niro, being the actor that he is, wanted to know how to do a dye job with the foil. Mm -hmm. So my dad is teaching De Niro the, the foil and this and that. And I'm looking at this going, this is, the salon looked like the salon I grew up in with my father. And now he's teaching De Niro how to do hair. And I'm like, I, I was just so proud that my dad was alive to yeah. see this yeah. all going down, right? So De Niro didn't want him to leave the set. You know, like, where, you, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm gotta go back to work. We're gonna go back to work. Hey, tomorrow we got another scene. And Dad's like, well, I, I got a perm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fantastic. Yeah. So now. 
that the, they want to use my father in a lot of this promotion that we're doing for the movie. Mm-hmm. So we're doing, uh, he, my father and I are going on Kimmel right, together. Right. And, uh, you know, my, this is like my father's really excited about him being involved in mm-hmm. the press. Yeah. Which I was nervous about because my father's the type of guy where when we're hanging around a group of people, he's the life of the party. As soon as the camera pops on him, he kind of goes into a, a shell. However, we did a press event in Las Vegas and they were asking him questions. And I was like, well, this guy's like, my dad speaks broken English because, you know, he's, he's from Sicily and, and he's answering questions. I'm like, this guy, do we need a camera on him to speak proper English? I mean, the. <laughs> oh, suddenly. Suddenly he's suddenly. Like pronouncing words right. Right. So. Uh, we got a, he's another enunciator. <laughs> we got another enunciator. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, we uh, we shot the movie in Alabama, which uh, was difficult for me just because you know, I got two small kids. I was going to be there for eight weeks, and you know, I was wrestling with like, oh, God, you know, like again, me thinking, overthinking things. This is a great opportunity, yes, but then I'm also thinking I should be home. I'm a father. What the hell am I doing in Alabama? You know, got to be with my kids. But uh, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. It's uh, all bullshit. <laughs> no, Those just, kids do better when I'm not around. <laughs> they thrive when I'm out. <laughs> yeah, so, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a family guy. So anyway, it, it was an unbelievable experience. It was a acting lesson for me mm-hmm. for seven, eight weeks, however long we shot this movie. There was a time where I had to cry. Now, listen, I'm a sensitive guy. I could cry, you know, in, in just conversation. But to do it like in, in a movie, I never did this before. And now I'm doing it with arguably one of the best actors of our time. He comes, right? And when he's supposed to cry in the scene, he's crying, right? And I ain't crying. I go, where is it? It ain't coming. And I'm looking at him like a, like almost like a fan. I go, this guy's crying on you. <laughs> Can't you just grab one of his tears? That's what I would do. The minute no one's looking, get a De Niro tear. Yeah, I was hoping I could get some spill off. <laughs> but... Uh, and then they said, cut, and then did it again. Still didn't cry. And then I told him, I go, bro, I got to talk to you, man. I, I, I need help here. So me and him privately go. There was an airplane, was an airplane scene. We go into the airplane together. And I go, I can't, can't get there. And he goes, well, I didn't know, you know, I was going to tell you, you know, I'm going to give you some advice, but I didn't know your process. I go, there ain't no process, guy. I'm just hoping this clicks in soon, you know. There's no method or nothing like that. I'm just doing the lines hoping I can get sad. (laughs) That is the method, actually. So uh, so he gave you advice? Yeah, no, he's like, I, what I do is I think of my son, and and, and he, in, in, in telling me the story, he starts crying. Oh, my God. Now I'm crying, because he's crying about talking about his son. I go, I got to use this. And I, 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 I get out of the plane, and I'm supposed to be out of breath during the scene. Now, I got sciatica ripping through my right <laughs> leg, right? And I don't really run because of the pain. Now I'm running, crying with sciatica on a tarmac, trying to get out of breath, right? 
So I come into the scene and I'm crying already, but I'm not supposed to be. But I'm right. like, fuck it. This, you know. Use edit, this. Edit it. Yeah. You know, I'm bawling throughout this. Cut. All right, we're going to do it again, guy. That's all I got. We're going to do it again. We're going to do this nine times. You need to rehydrate. <laughs> That's so, fantastic. Yeah, it was uh, There was a lot of things. I mean, it's just it, just the way he, just the way he, you know, I, I learned like when you're acting to have an activity. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I would just get my mark, do the line, and, and that would be it. But he's like, okay, what what am I doing here? Am I playing with it? You know, like just using the environment. Yes, yeah. Which, you know, as a you know, an actor who doesn't, I don't, I don't do this a lot. So I, I picked up a lot of nuances from him and then applied it to this TV show I just did, which definitely helps. So being around him, you just almost absorb a lot of this um, just by watching the man work. So I'm sure you were in, heavily involved in editing and... You know, mm-hmm. were you allowed to be in there? I was allowed. I went in there. I didn't. I didn't like dig deep into the editing. There was moments I go. I think I, there was a better take, and we we looked at that. But I was like, not not the whole like day in day out editing of a film. I wasn't heavily involved in that. No, my experience is whenever I say, "What about that other take that was really funny?" Guys will just look at me and go, "Yeah, we looked at it. It's not funny." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I just, my penis retracts up into my body. It takes months to lure it back out again. Put out little crackers and stuff for it. A 1980s playboy, Adrian Barbeau. Nothing. I said too much. Um, A little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I could talk to you forever. uh, I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, You really make me laugh. But... I also appreciate that you're a uh, you are a very thoughtful uh, guy, and you are someone who has taken his career really seriously and made it all happen through sheer force of will and a ton of talent. But put a lot of work into what you've done, and I I hope that you are able to find moments of relaxation. Yes, and 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 that's that's I think. There's no such thing as I want to get to the point where I'm just blissfully happy all the time mm. because that means you've had a neurological accident, yeah. you know? Yeah. But what you're what I'm hoping for is that you get better and better at finding moments where you say, Jesus Christ, look what I've yeah. look what I've done yeah. and enjoy and say, Yeah, I'm gonna get the biggest lobster they have here. <laughs> Without the coupon. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Sebastian, thank you uh, you. so much for being here. And uh, I'm excited for About My Father. I think that's so cool. Thank you. And one more thing before we leave. Yeah. Uh, After we take the headphones off, right? We're going to do this. And then you go, oh, yeah, that was fun, guys. Yeah. Um, Can I get your number? (laughs) Look, you just... You just cross. You just crossed a line. You just crossed a line. And what if you just said that, and four security guards walked in quietly? Yes, you will get my number. Okay, you will get my number, and then we got to get wine at some point. Yeah, no, we 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 have a lot of parties at the house. Small, nice, nice group of people. You come up, and uh... I'm gonna be. Um, loud and jokey even if i don't feel it <laughs> even if i don't feel like this the mood is right if someone's up there talking about a disease they just got diagnosed with i'm still gonna go for it i think these are all children's birthday parties so. <laughs> oh give yeah. me a crack <laughs> i kill at those things i kill all right well thank you very much you got it, it was great thanks thanks for having me 
You know, Scotty's cares about the environment and has strong values they stand behind. Plus, Scotty's facial tissues are super soft, strong and absorbent, and easy on the wallet. Whether you've got allergies or just a case of the sniffles, stock up on Scotty's facial tissues so you can stop wiping your nose on your sleeve. Isn't that disgusting when people do that, Sona? I just don't like that. No, I don't like it either. I like I like to wipe my nose on your sleeve, oh, but that's... not my sleeve. Yeah. Well, my sleeve is made of Scotty's tissue, so that's a... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. That's a very cool fashion statement. <laughs> hey, and stop offering guests toilet paper to blow their nose into. That's disgusting. Hand them a Scotty's facial tissue instead. You can find Scotty's facial tissues that come in beautiful box designs. Put one in every room. Why not make your guest feel like a king or queen? Hmm. If someone offers me a tissue, sometimes people say to me, Conan, would you like a tissue? I say, is it Scotty's? And if it's not, I just swat it away. Oh, okay. Scotty's is better at what counts. For more information, visit scottysfacial.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. I just came out like I didn't even- Go, 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 go. (laughs) Ready? Okay. No, go. Just go. Roll. Okay, Sona's laughing really hard, and for good reason. Ladies and gentlemen, Sona, don't cover up your mouth. Your laughter is the fuel for this podcast. I was just recently on the East Coast, and Sona, I got gerbled. You got gerbled. I got gerbled. Okay, this is true. God, this is the hardest I've seen Sona laugh in a while. I totally got gerbled. For anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, I put it out there recently. As as many of you know, the way for any fan of the podcast or regular listener to let me know when they see me strolling around and man, I'm hard to miss is to shout out Katakai as God made her. Katakai just works, but so many people shout out Katakai as God made her. And um. I think you guys have been with me, but when any, ask anyone who walks around with me, Adam, you've seen this happen. When I walk around, 
So many people shout out Katakai. It's happened to me. In it's public. happened to yes, you? Yes, it's happened to me. Oh, that's wow. cool. It hasn't I just, happened to me. Yeah. Everywhere I go, I hear a Katakai, and I always turn and go, yes! <laughs> I saw it in San Francisco. You saw it in San Francisco. That's yeah. right. Eduardo, uh, you and I were walking around San Francisco, as we often do together. Oh, we have nice. our little weekends. That's our business, not it's anyone nice. else's. <laughs> it's nice. Um, we feel accepted there. Yeah. And uh, anyway, recently, I was talking to someone on the, on the podcast, and, and I brought up, you guys were here for this, that one of the uh, early guests on the late night show, actor Mickey Rooney, who in 1940 was the biggest star in the world. And Mickey Rooney came on the show and I was talking to him. He got off track on something and he he was trying to talk about, he wanted to come up with the name Richard Gere. And he was saying, that actor, you know, the actor, what was his, what was that actor's name? And of course there's that famous rumor about Richard Gere. So I'm trying to think like, well, what, what actor are we talking about here? And we're, and Andy and I at the time, this is like 1993, this might be the fall of 1993. We're both children doing this late night show. <laughs> and we're trying really hard to help him come up with the name. We're like, well, who is it? Who is it? And Mickey Rooney said, all of a sudden says, and he says it very ominously, like he's telling a ghost story. There was talk of gerbils. <laughs> and immediately Andy starts howling. I start howling and we say, Richard Gere. And he's like, that's right, Richard Gere. <laughs> and so um, we then decided, we start laughing. And then we decided there was talk of gerbils should be the new Katakai. Yeah. Katakai has been retired. Has been retired. And the new one is there's talk of gerbils. Now, we were, that episode, I think, had just gone out. And where am I? I'm in New York City. And of course, it's very crowded. It's, you know, uh, spring has sprung. Everyone's out and around. The weather's perfect. I'm in Midtown because I go to Sirius to record the podcast there. And I'm walking along and I just hear, there was talk of gerbils. <laughs> and I, I was like, yes. And then I turned around and I walked over and I hugged the guy. Oh, oh. I gave the guy a hug, which, by the way, he seemed happy with the hug. Had I sensed any reluctance, I would have let go after 15 minutes. I think minutes. someone oh, okay. who's going to yell there was talk of gerbils out loud in public is going to be fine with a hug. Well, yeah, he's he's happy with the hug. Anyway, I told him he was the first. Wow. Um, did it take you a second to process it or did you immediately know what that was from? I immediately, I immediately knew. I immediately knew. And I turned around and, and there he was. And... Uh, uh, very nice uh, young fellow, uh, maybe maybe twenties, thirties, but I just I just immediately was like, I had to tell you, you are the first. Oh. And then it happened one or two other times wow. while I was in New York City, and I thought it's spreading. There was talk of gerbils. You're reigniting that rumor. I bet yeah, Richard Gere's really happy. I know. Well, maybe Guess the brass <laughs> ring will be to get Richard Gere to yell it to you in public. Oh. You know, there's only one person angrier than Richard Gere right now, and that's the gerbil. Okay. <laughs> He's still living. The us, gerbil huh? finally, oh yeah, no, these gerbils live a long time. <laughs> I would have thought the whole thing itself would have killed him. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. They don't, get, no. They don't suffocate? No, oh, no, no. Lots of nutrients up there. Anyway. Oh, come uh, on, and no. so, uh, no, somewhere there's a gerbil with a, uh, <laughs> I think we know where it is. No, no, he's gone. He's oh, long okay, gone. Okay. He, he burrowed out. Yeah. <laughs> he's constantly texting Richard Gere, and Richard Gere isn't returning his text. Oh, oh. he's ghosting him? Yeah, he's so, ghosting the gerbil, and the gerbil's wow. like, what the fuck? It's a broken heart situation yeah. as well? Well, the gerbil also was kind of happy that I put this behind me. There was a time where he yeah. tried to, I think he was on like a VH1 reality show for a little bit. <laughs> oh, Yeah, no. and he was hanging around with, you know, uh, you know, child star. And um, Corey Feldman. Yeah, exactly. And but he's now 
He finally put it behind him, and then now this is reignited. He put oh, it behind heck. him, huh? All right, don't Come do that. On. Come on, you're better than that. That's the that's the bar. Come on, that's, that's the, bar. the bar. You Grow just up, hit the bar. Man. Grow yeah. up, yeah. Sona H. Movsesian. <laughs> How dare you? You keep inserting false middle initials into people's. <laughs> I have a so if someone comes up to us and says Ketakai, do we go like we're not allowed to acknowledge catch it. up, dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, prick! You didn't get the memo. Twenty twenty two much. Fuck off. Uh, eat, eat shit, Ketakai. <laughs> No, no, I don't no. know. No, Katakai is still accepted. Okay, it's still and Oh, loved. it is. I thought yes. it was retired. No, it's not retired. But Come it's on. Not redeemable for the I'll same s- amount of praise. I'll say this. I've been in this business long enough to know that any recognition or acceptance oh, is a is a golden uh. coin. I am not about to give people a hard time for saying the wrong thing to me when I'm walking by. But yeah, he was the he was the first. That's we had, cool. And I rewarded him. Yeah. Gerbils. Was the hug the reward? I was reward. Oh, I had another. I, I had another moment in New York City. So many things happen because you're just out there, and you're and there's a lot of fans of the podcast out there, which is really nice. And I actually mentioned this story at the SiriusXM upfront in front of a big audience of advertisers, and they found it quite amusing. But I'm walking with my friend Eric. You know Eric well. Yes, I do. And Love um, Eric. Eric and I have these long walks. And we're both interested in uh, you know politics and history and. Eric just shouts at me most of the time. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, and, and I, he's, but he's louder than I am. He is louder mm. than you, which is really yeah. saying something. But we have a great time. And when we go to restaurants together, um, he's always saying, what you don't understand about Lyndon Johnson <laughs> oh my God. is when he named Abe Fortas to the Supreme Court, he didn't know. And people are always looking over it. But I love it. I love him. And we always have a blast together. Wait, what didn't he know about Abe Fortis? Uh, hold on. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, no, kind no, no, of, I'm kind of on pins and needles myself. <laughs> we'll get to you. I'll, I'll give you your Abe Fortis. Man, it's about time Abe Fortis came up on this podcast. Big shout out to everyone at the Lyndon Johnson Library. Came up in the segment about gerbils. Yeah, exactly. I segued. What other, what other uh, podcaster in the history of the medium segues from Richard Gere's gerbil to Abe Fortas, the <laughs> Supreme Court the nominee by Lyndon Johnson to the Supreme Court. Anywho, <laughs> I really got Sona today. But anyway, this is good, guys. So I'm I'm walking along, and we're headed to this restaurant that's actually in uh, at the Museum of Modern Art that Eric knows about. He says, "Oh, we should go to this restaurant." So we're walking in this very like accomplished looking young woman who seems very cool. Last name is just, she says, oh, hi, Conan, um, you know, fan of the podcast. And we're chatting just a little bit before we, just before we go into the restaurant. And, uh, <laughs> and she's great. She's fantastic. She seems very cool and cool. I mean, she seems very cool and cool. Yeah, that's great, Conan. Let me fix that part. <laughs> uh, I'm very flustered. Um, I saw a girl. <laughs> Now I'm leaving this in. (laughs) Now you have to leave it in. I saw a girl and got excited. Anyway, wonderful young woman, chat. And then uh, I'm about to head back into the restaurant and I say, hey, would you like a selfie? I offer it up. I just say, hey, would you like a selfie? And she says, no, I'm good. (gasps) And but she said it just like, you know, no, I'm, I'm not that kind of fan. Like, but she just says, no, I'm good. And I and I say, but a lot of people like to get a selfie. Oh, no. <laughs> and no, and here's what she said. She said, oh my God, 
you're needy just the way you are on the podcast. Hey! Like, and I said, she had this kind of moment of, you really are that yeah, guy. Yeah. And I said, yes, I am that guy. But I thought that was a funny moment. She thought you were, this is a character? <laughs> well, no, I just think she, she liked she experiencing in 3D. Like, uh... yeah. like she's heard, uh, you know, uh, sonically the neediness, but then she ran into. Uh, she yeah. saw it in person. Yes. Yeah, uh, so, that's a whole new uh, thing. Man. Yeah. So you didn't take a picture with her? No. Oh. And then the crazy thing <laughs> I is. Thought she, I thought eventually she'd be like, um, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. No, she, she didn't. We got a courtroom artist to do a sketch of both oh, of us. No. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I, we may hear from her too, because I think, because this is crazy. I'm not even kidding. I ran into her a second time in oh. New York. When you were just following her, trying to get her to take nope, a picture I with am, you? Yeah. <laughs> you sure you don't want a selfie? <laughs> you want a selfie? Selfie with me? Why don't you want one? I was in a dirigible flying over New York <laughs> oh, looking no. for her. No, I, I accidentally ran into her again and I gave her David Hopping's info yeah. and David Hopping uh, may hear from her, in which case maybe we'll link up with her on the podcast because she can she can tell the story herself. Oh, but anyway, she probably cool. won't get in touch yeah. with him. No, no, she wants out. She lost that She's, number. Yeah. <laughs> I call David every four minutes. <laughs> Have you heard from the lady yet? <laughs> They didn't want the selfie. All right, let's move on to bigger and better things. Goodbye. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Shop our biggest selection of hot buys, cool deals, or shop limited time savings on new summer spaces. Plus, get 72-month special financing on select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Issa as host Issa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.